0: Great to be uh, here this morning. Uh, If you've got a Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 10, it'll also come up on the screen for those who are lazy. But um, (laughs) I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 1 Samuel, that's, that's, that's a hard one to find. What is it? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Then it's 1 Samuel, all right? So 1 Samuel chapter 10, and uh, if you are just joining us, your first time back, or you're coming away, or back from holiday, welcome, welcome to the beginning of the year for you. Welcome to anyone who has been away on holiday. I don't know about you, but the you know the worst part of coming home from a holiday has to be the unpacking, right? How many love unpacking? No one does. No one likes uh, unpacking. In our family, we have a ratio, depending on how many weeks you've been away, that means how many months it will take to unpack your vehicle and get, so if we have gone away for two weeks in our household, it'll take you six months to unpack everything from that two-week holiday. It's just how, how it works. It'll take probably about six months to find that old banana peel in the glove box of the car, like six months later, you find it there, and oh my gosh, it'll be... It'll be like three months before one of your kids finds their left jandle shoved in behind the rear seat, right? You know what I'm talking about here? Yeah. You, all right, I'm on the right track here. It'll be at least two months before one of your kids finds their togs in the boot that they were using, and it'll be at least a week before you find your cell phone charger somewhere uh, in the car as well. So, and then, And then there's the bags of stuff that make it inside from the car, but don't actually get unpacked. Right, anyone know what I'm talking about there? The stuff that kind of just lies around, it's kind of in the entrance way, it's in the hallway, you keep tripping over it night after night, wondering who's gonna take responsibility for that, it's on the, it's on the end of the bed. And so there will be bags that never get unpacked because unpacking is loathsome. It's, it just takes time, the holiday's done, it's over, that was part of the holiday. And so we kind of have these bags that kind of hang around our, our, our homes And if that's not bad enough, if that's not bad uh, enough, there's actually another kind of baggage, which I want to talk a bit about this morning, which actually is a little harder to unpack, a little harder to kind of pull out or even discover, and uh, it's actually what I want to call emotional baggage, (laughs) emotional baggage. I've called this message losing the baggage and because emotional baggage is the stuff that we kind of pick up along the way of life. It's the stuff that maybe you've been carrying around for a while, but I was thinking, you know, before this year really gets away proper, before we really get started, how about we deal with some of the emotional baggage in our lives and just unpack some things this morning just, just a little bit so that we can run into this new year a little less restricted and a little more free, a little less weighed down and a little more lighter feeling. How many be good for that? Come on, awesome, all right. So 1 Samuel chapter 10, we read about the selecting of a king for Israel. Now, this is going to read a little disconnected to what I've just introduced this message for, but it's all going to make sense. So just hang in there with me. 1 Samuel chapter 10, and I'm going to read from the contemporary English version this morning. It's, oh, there it is. Oh, thanks. I'll take over that. It says this, verse 17 of 1 Samuel 10. Actually, let's just pray. And it's uh, allow God to be on this, on this time. Father, I thank you for this time that we have together. I thank you for your words that you want to impart to us. Pray, God, that our hearts will be open just to hear, not only hear, but to receive. And not only receive, but God, help us change where we need to be changed from the inside out. Thanks, God, that you don't care what we look like on the outside. You're not at all interested, but you are interested in our hearts and in our souls and in our lives. So I pray this morning that you would lead us forward into more and more freedom. Thank you for what you're doing to every one of us today in Jesus' name. Verse 17 of 1 Samuel 10, it says this, that Samuel sent messengers to tell the Israelites to come to Mizpah to meet with the Lord. Samuel was kind of like the judge or the prophet Uh, In a certain time in Israel's history, this was before there were any kings like King David and and Solomon and those others, they were ruled Israel by judges or by, by prophets. And Samuel was the man for the moment. And he calls the messengers to tell Israel to come to this particular place, Mizpah, and meet with God. And it says in verse 18, when everyone had arrived, Samuel said, The Lord God of Israel told me to remind you guys that he rescued you from the Egyptians and from the other nations that abused you. So he's gonna say, hey, remember what God has done for us as a nation. God had rescued you from the troubles and hard times, but you have rejected your God and have asked for a king. And so kind of, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but the time for Israel to be led by a king wasn't really in God's preference at this particular point of time. But he's sort of saying, listen, they want a king, I'll give them a king. And so this is where Samuel steps in. It says this in verse, in verse 19, Now each tribe and clan must come near the place of worship so that the Lord can choose a king. Verse 20, Samuel brought each tribe one after another to the altar, and the Lord chose the Benjamin tribe. Next, Samuel brought each clan of Benjamin there, and the Lord chose the clan of Matri, and then finally Saul, the son of Kesh, was chosen, and this is what I want to look at just a little bit deeper this morning, but when they looked for him, he was nowhere to be found. Let's just pause there for just a moment, just kind of heard what's going on there. Many, many people believe that American Idol, you know the program American Idol, the reality program, was the, the first to introduce the concept of a mass elimination program. Right but it wasn't. It was actually written here in 1 Samuel. It was called Hebrew Idol or something like that. And the honor goes to Samuel in his really eager first attempt attempt at unveiling a king. And unlike American Idol, where you actually had to audition, you had to play a song or sing or do a trick of some sort, Samuel invites the whole entire nation of Israel to play a part in this. Everyone is there. He calls all of them to come to Mizpah because we're gonna find ourselves a king from amongst you. And so with probably hundreds of thousands of men that have gathered in attendance, he has every man stand in their respective tribe. So they're all, they're all lined up, they're all ready to go. And then every tribe stand in their clan and then every clan stand in their family. You can, you can picture that. And then to kind of add to the suspense, rather than simply announce a winner, this guy is going to be going to be the king samuel decides to slowly whittle down the contestants by this process of elimination first by the tribes then by the clans then by the families until only one man is left standing you following me this morning and so with great anticipation he calls from the 12 tribes the tribe of benjamin and all the tribe of benjamin are like yes and they all they all come forward and Samuel's probably like, sorry Judah, sorry Dan, sorry Asher, those other tribes, it's time to go home, you've been eliminated, and, and so Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin standing forward, and then from the tribe of Benjamin, he calls forward the family, uh, sorry, the, the, he fo- calls forward the clan of Matri, from, from the tribe of Benjamin, the clan of Matri come forward, and they're like, oh, ho ho. and then sorry to the other hundred clans, tonight's not your night, come on, better luck next year, and so they all head off, and then from the clan of Matri, he calls the family of Kish. So it's narrowing down the Kish family. Like, yes, they're five on each other. We've been selected. And you can imagine the scene, right? Like from hundreds of thousands to just a few family members. I guess that day in Ms. Pa, the suspense is probably unbelievable. And then finally, from one family, Samuel calls out the name Saul. Saul, his name is called, and then I guess, again, the hundreds of thousands of people who had already been eliminated, they're pushing and jostling to get a look at this guy. Who is he? What does he look like? Let's take, a, let's take a look at our new king, and perhaps there was confetti cannons being sort of burst forth over the people. There was fireworks, maybe, when he calls out his name, perhaps a big spotlight on the stage where Saul was to stand and say, thank you very much, but the Bible says in, uh, that no one comes forward. Read that behind me. And there's this huge, awkward silence, I bet, where where everyone's wondering what on earth is going on. There is no one there. Where is Saul? And the Bible says in verse 22, let's just read that. It says that the people then inquire of God as to the king's whereabouts. They they go looking for him. Where where is Saul? Where, Where is our king? And then God responds In what has to be one of the strangest verses in the Bible, God says, yes, the Lord answered, he's here, but he's hiding behind the baggage. He's here, but he has hidden himself among the baggage. Saul is hiding among the baggage, and all of the eyes dart, I guess, to a pile of baggage somewhere near where Saul should have been standing and there he is probably cowering behind a suitcase or something, but it's a really weird story. It's a really strange story. What a thing to happen. What, what, you know, the king of all people hiding amongst the baggage, what was Saul thinking? This was a grand entrance. This was his moment and yet he shrinks back and he he hides behind something. And, you know, the, the Bible suggests especially particularly to us as followers of Christ, for those who are following Christ, that we have been given authority, that we've been given uh, victory, that we've been given a life of purpose. In fact, in one place, I think it's in the book of Revelation, it suggests that we as disciples of Christ are kings and priests unto him. We're his kings and, and priests to serve God, that he's called each one of us to have influence, that he's called us to prosper and have a successful life. But listen, some of us, some of us, instead of shining brightly, instead of enjoying that freedom, that God-given freedom that he's given us, we are like King Saul, and we find ourselves, parts of our lives, hiding behind the baggage of life, hiding behind the luggage. And I just believe God's saying this morning as we launch into this year, come on, it's time to lose the luggage. It's time to lose the luggage of your life, that emotional luggage, the baggage that you've been carrying on around you. Come out, come up and get out from behind the baggage. It's time to ditch the things that have been keeping you back, holding you back from who God is calling you to be and who he's made you to be. In our garage, and I probably, I can assume that's probably a little bit like yours, there are boxes that we've never opened like they just follow us from place to place. We've moved a few times in the last couple of years, but we never kind of open these boxes. We just move them around. Has anyone else got boxes like that in their garage or in their attic or in their spare room? I know what you like. We've all, we've all got them. And we kind of have this attitude about some of these boxes. Like we need what's in there. I don't actually know what's in there, but we need it, I'm sure. It's, it's important stuff that I cannot live without. And so we kind of tape it up, we carry it around with us, we move it, we put it in the shed, we put it somewhere. My mom just remembered the story. My mother, uh, my brother, uh, as a teenager, had really long flowing hair. He was a beautiful child. And, uh, and, and he got it cut when he was in his late teens. And my mum kept his hair, which you're supposed to do when you're like a baby, right? The first haircut. Well, my brother, when he was in his late teens, my mother kept his ponytail and it was one of the things that she'd she'd kept in a box that got moved from place to place. <laughs> one one time, my brother and me are helping them shift house out of a storage room, and we open the box that my, we know my brother's hair's in because it's written in black pen. Um, Mark's here, like, oh, great. And a whole, lot of, a whole lot of mice jump out of the box and scatter. Well, it turns out over the years, they'd made a nest in my brother's hair. And uh, my mother is terrified of mice. And so it was just a wonderful thing to see. <laughs> wonderful thing to- but I'm sure that you have boxes of old clothes, maybe old school, box, uh, school books or reports, some things that you just sort of carry around from place to place, kitchen appliances maybe, exercise machines that now just act as an expensive towel rail. You know, all of this stuff, this things that we accumu- accumulate, they've got no real value perhaps, but you happily cart them around when you move. And even though stuff takes up room, even though stuff is heavy and it takes time to drag it around, for some reason we happily do that. We drag it around from place to place. Why? Because stuff is good and stuff is comforting and stuff is nice to know that it's there just in case you may want to use it. And I was thinking, you know what, our souls, our inner, the inner part of our lives can be a little bit sometimes like our garages or your shed, or your attic. The inner parts of us can be a little bit like this picture behind me in that we we pick up stuff along the way. We pick up stuff along this journey of life. Sometimes we can't help it, sometimes we intentionally pick it up. Most of the time we don't realize we're even carrying it, but we pick up stuff, we pick up baggage, we pick up things like offense. How many know that offense is like An emotional baggage, it's luggage we carry. Maybe we pick up a little bit of hurt along the road of life. Maybe we've picked up last year a, a bad habit Maybe we've picked up a bad attitude. Maybe this disappointment that you collected on the road. Uh, maybe it's unforgiveness or something. Maybe you've picked up on a, an addiction or trauma or bitterness or anxiety or shame or guilt. And on and on the list could go. And sure enough, surely, uh, soon enough, our souls look like our garages full of luggage and baggage that actually is not helpful to us at all. And it seems incredibly easy. And I'll be the first to admit this incredibly easy for the human soul to pick up and collect stuff that actually has no worth to our lives. Like it doesn't actually help us in any way. So easy, we're kind of like this filter. We just pick these things up and not only do we find ways, not only do we find excuses for carrying around this excessive baggage, but these things, this stuff can quite easily become our friends. It becomes our, our comfort, it becomes our coping mechanisms, it becomes our support. If, if you ever find yourself thinking these things, which I'm about to say, or, or saying things like, well, they don't know how I was treated. You don't know what it's like to, to, to be me. Or, or, I mean, I could never forgive that person for what they did to me. Or I'm never gonna trust anyone again the same way as I did. Or I just can't help the way that I feel. It's just the way that I am. Or man, I'm powerless to change. It seems too, too hopeless. If that sounds familiar to you, then it's likely that the cause is that you are carrying excessive baggage in your life. And it's time to loosen the load this morning just a little bit. Because as long as we keep carrying that stuff around, as long as you keep carrying that hurt, as long as you keep dragging along with you that wound, that, that damaging emotion, listen, unless you deal with that thing, it is gonna slow you down. It's gonna restrict you and it's gonna hinder you from God's, God's best. Someone once said this, a chip on the shoulder is too heavy a piece of baggage to carry through life. It's a good one, eh? A chip on the shoulder is too heavy a piece of baggage to carry through life. And it's really hard to, to stop ourselves from picking stuff up along the way. It's hard to get through life without picking up some kind of emotional baggage. But despite that, listen, I just wanna let you know, remind you again this morning that there is an invitation from Jesus himself to unload some stuff. In fact, the invitation, I think I may even have it have it here, I do. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said this, come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. What a beautiful promise right there from Jesus himself. Any of you that are carrying something, a burden, something that's weighing you down, that's restricting you, some kind of emotional baggage, Jesus is saying, come on, give it to me. I can give you a rest, I can take that thing. My shoulders are strong, they'll take the weight of that. You don't have to carry the weight of that thing any longer. Not all of our, our baggage is the same. In a room like this, I know there's some baggage around. I have some. I'm not showing you. <laughs> but we've all probably got baggage. And guess what? All our baggage, some may look familiar or similar, but we all carry different kinds of baggage. They come in a variety of different shapes and sizes. Some of us have got enormous baggage. We have huge baggage that we carry around with us. We just drag it around through life. It's so big that it collects other little bags on its way. <laughs> We're dragging this thing. Everything else gets caught up within it. Maybe, maybe some of us have a number of different kinds of bags, like a, a lovely luggage set. You know, we got one thing's for this, one thing's for that. This one, all that's for that dysfunction, or this one's for the other thing. Some of us have really old baggage. We've been carrying this stuff for a long, long time. For as long as we can remember, this, this, this baggage has been with us. It's traveled with us wherever, wherever we go. We've just gotten used to carrying it. We wouldn't even know what it would feel like to not have this baggage on our lives. It's just so familiar with us. Don't know how, how it would feel to be free of it because we've just gotten so used to it. Some of us have matched our baggage with other people. We found other people with the same dysfunction and we're like, oh, you too, come on, let's hang out together. That's one of the worst things you can do (laughs) is to match your emotional baggage to someone else. (laughs) Some of us have camouflage baggage. It's really hard to spot. You can't quite put your finger on it. You know, there's something you're carrying, but you're not sure what it is. It kind of blends in, right? It's stealth baggage. You're not, you're not really sure. What about some of us? Some of us are really proud of our emotional baggage. You're like, look at me and all of my glorious dysfunction. I'm proud of it. <laughs> we think it's great. We flaunt it around. You see this in kind of popular culture. People that got huge emotional baggage and they're putting it out there for the world to see and it's portrayed as being healthy. Some of us are carrying extremely dangerous baggage. Very, very volatile. You don't know when that thing's going to erupt and explode. People around you, just like, just be quiet. Don't rock the boat just in case that baggage explodes, right? Sounding familiar to anybody, just the, maybe for the person sitting next to you, it is, but not you, right? Somebody else or someone you know, I think, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you know what? Whatever shape that your baggage may, may be, whatever size it is, or Whatever number it may come in, it's got to go. It has to go. Two thousand and nineteen. It's the year for your baggage to be left at the airport, right? It's to, it's to leave it behind before we launch out this year. It's got to be gotten rid of. The Bible puts it like this: Ephesians four thirty-one. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness. He lists all of this emotional baggage. Get rid of bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Drop that stuff. First Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy envy and slander of every kind. These are the sorts of things that we pick up along the way. We start comparing ourselves with other people. Oh man, I wish I was like that person. Then jealousy comes on us. God, Jesus is saying, oh, come on, get rid of that stuff. It's not gonna do you any good this year. Hebrews chapter 12 says to throw off everything that hinders us so that we can run that race with perseverance. We have gotta lose the luggage. But here's the thing when it comes to this. Here's the thing when it comes to losing the emotional luggage of our lives. Let me just be really honest with you, to get rid of this stuff is really hard. It's not easy. It's probably gonna take more than just this message for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning to loose yourself off some of these things. It's, it's a little difficult, it's a challenge, it's completely possible to lose your luggage, but it's hard. And I'm gonna give you just a few points this morning You know, lost baggage is the the number one complaint of air travelers all over the world. Apparently, in the US alone, 10,000 items of luggage are lost every day. That's a lot of lost luggage. Apparently, they have shops in the States where you can go. After a certain period of time, they release it to the public and you can buy these suitcases and all sorts of things. But... You know, it appears that it's easy for an airline to lose our luggage. Has anyone lost their luggage before? Had their luggage lost? A couple of people, right? So, yeah, you know, it's reasonably common. It's easy for an airline to lose our baggage. What is not easy is for us to lose our emotional baggage because unfortunately it never off you know it doesn't leave our side it has our name and address it knows exactly who we are and it follows us around everywhere we go we cannot escape it unless we do something about it and so for some of us losing the baggage will take far more than just this message but i reckon we can make a start this morning and i want to just give you three very simple you'll have heard it before from me three very simple points easy to remember easy to take away this morning and uh, that'll help you lose the luggage and get out from behind the baggage. Number one, are you ready? Number one is you've got to trace your baggage. you have to trace the baggage of your life when you are trying to find something that you've misplaced, like your car keys or your sunglasses or your children, you know if you're trying to find them, like oh, i don't know, what's happened to those kids you Someone will inevitably say, well, honey, I can't find my keys. What, what, is, what does every great spouse say? Where did you put them down last, right? Where did you put them down last? And you always say, well, if I knew that, I wouldn't be asking you. But, but, but when it comes to tracing the source, tracing, tracing the source of our baggage, our emotional baggage, we've got to ask ourselves, not where did would I put this thing down, but where did I pick it up from? Where was the place that I picked up this, this baggage from? Where, when did I start carrying this thing around with me? Just start to think about some of the stuff. Maybe it's, it's, it's a, a bad attitude that you know you're carrying or unforgiveness that's in your heart or, or maybe you're prone to anger, whatever that thing may be, to start thinking, man, when did I pick that up? When did that first rear its ugly head? When did I start carrying that thing or putting it on on, on my back? What, what lie am I believing that's causing me to live like this? You see, often these causes of us carrying these things are events that happen to us. Maybe they are words that have been spoken over us at some point in time. I feel like there's many people here who've had stuff, things, words declared over you when you were younger that still affects you today, Some for some 20, 30 years later, just a simple word, but you know words have power from someone who has influence over your life. When was it did I pick that baggage up? Maybe it was some kind of emotional trauma, things that were done to you that are just were outside of your control. And the baggage that we carry is the result of those things. It's, it's how we, it's why we pick those things up along the way. Things happen to us. So we pick up the bag of mistrust or, or we pick up the bag of rejection or we carry the luggage of anger or or pride, or, or disappointment, or we, we're wearing the backpack of fear, or shame, or anxiety, or guilt. But listen, if we can go back with the help of the Holy Spirit, because we can't do any of this without God's help, and find the place where we pick this up, we'll be in a good place to begin to start losing the luggage. You've got to first trace it. We'll do some praying in just a moment. Second thing you got to do, not only trace it, where did, I, where did I pick this thing up, but you then have got to face the baggage that you're carrying. Face it. Often a lot of us get, as far as kind of tracing the source of the baggage that we carry, you know, it may be because you had an, I don't know, an overbearing mother or you were sat on by a St. Bernard. That was me. That happened to me. True story, but. <laughs> But we sit around and we talk about it and we retell the story to someone and we we moan about it and we navel gaze. Even for years we talk about, we know exactly what's uh, taken place, but we never take responsibility for it. We never actually face the things that we've picked up in our lives. And listen, I just wanna tell you that blaming someone else, even though they may have been the cause, blaming the Saint Bernard or blaming mummy is not the answer. But listen, all blame does is, 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 is justify your reasons for, to continue carrying those things. I'm like this because of them. It's not my fault. I'm this way because of that person. Listen, don't play that game you will get stuck carrying the luggage. All you're doing is giving yourself permission to live dysfunctional. That is not gonna be fun. And often we never get close to losing the luggage from losing destructive habits, from problematic problems, That's actually, yeah, no, you know what I mean. Patterns in our life, problematic patterns, that's what I was going to say. Because we love to play the blame game. And listen, if it's never my fault, I will never take responsibility for it. And if I cannot take responsibility for it, I will always be its victim. And so we've got to face some of these things. Maybe if it wasn't your fault, and often it isn't, we've got to release the hand of forgiveness to that person to break free, to get our arms out of that bag and, and put it and put it down. Maybe your baggage is the result of someone else's actions against you, But if you ever want to lose the luggage, you're going to have to move from victimhood to responsibility. A victim mentality will only keep you powerless and hunkered down amongst the baggage of life. So we have gotta face it. We're gonna face the luggage. Maybe there's, as I said, some forgiving that needs to be done. Maybe you're gonna need to talk to someone who could help you, one of, uh, one of uh, the church leaders or a counselor, but face it. Don't just trace it. You gotta face it. You ready for number three? Last one here. Number three, this is just really simple stuff. Not only do you have to face, a trace face, you gotta replace The baggage. You've got to replace the baggage. This is about putting the truth of God's word into your life in the place for the need for that baggage. You get rid of the baggage, but you haven't sorted out the need for it. You're going to pick it up again. You'll put, up, you'll put down the bag of rejection over here after getting prayer from someone or that sort of stuff. And you go on and you don't deal with the lie that, which is why you caused you to pick that thing up in the first place. You're gonna head down the road and go, oh, there's a similar bag. Just put it back on your shoulder again. So important that we deal with the problem. We don't just, we don't just trace face it. we have got to replace it with something good. And the thing that we replace it with everybody is God's word. His truth. Sometimes, we just read this, but I'm telling you, we gotta feed on it. So sometimes we skim over, over it instead of diving into it. Sometimes we speed read it instead of meditating on it. This book is more than just words on a page. It has divine power to kind of get right in on the inside of our lives and help us with the help of the Holy Spirit. The author of Hebrew writes, Hebrews writes this. Sorry, I'm tripping over my words this morning. For the word of God, Hebrews 4.12, is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. There is no other book that has been divinely authored like the word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it is our help and our aid. It's about replacing the lies in our lives the things that we've believed about ourselves, the things that we've believed that others have put on us that with the truth, replacing that with the truth of who God is and who he says that we are, that we are in fact accepted, that we are loved, that we are redeemed, that we are forgiven, that we are justified. I say this a lot, probably the fifth time in the last few weeks, but if you come into my ensuite bathroom, I have laminated on my mirror some things about who God says that I am. Because I know there's some emotional baggage that I'm, I've traced and I've faced and I'm in the process of replacing. And we've got to do that. You've gotta, sometimes you've got to fake it till you make it. You've got to declare that thing, I am loved. I don't feel loved. I am loved. I don't feel that lo- I am loved until you start feeling the Father's love. You've got to declare the truth sometimes over yourself. And let the Word of God clean you. Wash yourself with the Word of God. You've got to you got it. Until we get his heart on the matter, our heart will always be susceptible to any old thing that takes our fancy. But Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way and he's the life. And the invitation is for us to know the truth, to allow his word, to be inspired, inspired by the spirit of God, to also be our truth, to be, to be our way and our life. Let God be your security this, this year. Let him be your confidence. Let him be your measure. Let him be the, the identity that you find yourself from. And, and watch that baggage get left behind. Jimmy, just want to lightly play in the background as we kind of begin to wrap this up this morning. You know, I was thinking about that opening passage, 1 Samuel chapter 10, and the, the ordination or the the, 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 the thing of, of Saul coming forward as the as the king of Israel. Just reading the surrounding chapters of that of that passage. Uh, chapter 9 and you know, what's interesting is that Saul, although he was called and appointed that day to be king, when it came time for him to step up, to step into the spotlight, if you like, the passage of Scripture says that he was hiding in the baggage. He was hiding behind the luggage. What's really interesting is if you just flip over a page, I don't have to do that today, but if you read chapter nine and the beginning of chapter 10, what's really interesting is that Saul already knows he's gonna be king. Samuel has already privately anointed him. He's already gone to his house. He's already, he's already told him what, what's going to happen. You could say that the reality show was fixed. Like as they were whittling down all of the, all of the tribes and into the clans and into the families, both Samuel and Saul already knew who was gonna be king that morning, who was gonna be announced as king. Saul knew what was coming to him on that grand day. He hasn't told anyone of it, but he knows that as the tribes are being eliminated, as the clans are being whittled down, as his family has been selected, Saul knows that it's gonna be his name that's gonna be chosen. And we don't know the reason exactly what causes them to shrink back, but just before his name, is called out, he kind of exits stage left. He finds himself something to hide behind and he shrinks down. Interesting account. Verse 23 of 1 Samuel 10. I've got this here or not. I don't, let me just read it to you. It says that they see him. They find him behind the baggage and it says they run and they bring him out. And as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Saul was a head taller than any of the others. God is wanting his kids, his kings, to stand tall this year. To stand tall, a head higher than anybody else. He's wanting us to stand up and stand tall. We're going to have to get out from behind the luggage, from behind, behind the baggage. God pulled Saul up from behind his luggage. He stood a head taller than anyone else and he's wanting to do the same for us. He can help us. Why don't we just stand? Let's do something symbolic this morning. Let's stand up just as we wrap wrap this up. What a good looking bunch of people you are. Incredible.
1: Whatever the
0: baggage of your life, whatever it may be, maybe you've picked some stuff up even over this Christmas break. You've got to put it back down. I just want to remind you again this morning that he can help you.